on the outside chance or in the event that you are not aware of what is going on. Today is Mother's Day. I see that that was a news flash for some of you. It's the day that's been designated by the greeting card manufacturers and the florists of the nation for us to honor us, our mothers, and for them to separate us from their money, our money. So we are today to honor those who are teachers and disciplinarians. They are cleaning ladies. They are gardeners. They are mowers of lawns. And good mothers understand that sometimes baking cookies is a lot more important than washing windows. Mothers are nurses and they're doctors. They're psychologists and counselors and chauffeurs and coaches. And they are developers of personalities, molders of vocabularies, and shapers of attitudes. If you turn to God's Word, you find that God in His Word tells us and commands us to honor our mothers. And that's the sensible and it's also the loving thing to do. There are many of us in this room this morning that wish beyond measure that we had our mothers around today so that we could honor them. So that we could remember them. So that we could love them. And for me personally, I'd like to torment her just one more time. I read, you see, the world is full of mothers. But no matter how full the world is of mothers, no one can take the place of our own mother. I read about a little six-year-old boy that was in the supermarket one day, and in this large supermarket, he got separated from his mother. He's six years old. This is a 100,000 square foot supermarket, and he can't find mother. He can't find mommy. So he starts calling frantically, Martha, Martha, Martha. And his mother comes running and she admonished him and she said, Sweetie, don't call me Martha, call me mother. He said, Yeah, but this store is full of mothers. Well, now how do you know? How do you know when you have officially become a mother? I read this the other day. It's how to know you've officially turned into a mother. You automatically double knot everything you tie. You find yourself doing the dishes and humming the Barney song. I love you, you love you. You actually come to the point that a mixture of strained carrots and applesauce smells good to you. You spend 30 minutes looking for your sunglasses only to have your teenage son say, Mom, why don't you just wear the ones you got pushed up on top of your head? Or you're out for a nice romantic meal with your husband, ready to enjoy some adult conversation, and you realize you've reached across the table and started to cut up his steak for him. 
One of my favorites was the story I read about little Johnny and his sister Susie. Johnny was six and little Susie, his sister, was four. And they gave their mother a Mother's Day present. It was a small, spindly little house plant. It wasn't the finest looking specimen you could find, but they had bought it with their own money. And, well, she, she was mom. And if, as moms are, it was the most beautiful plant she'd ever seen in her life, and she was just thrilled. And she hugged Johnny, and she hugged Susie, and she told them how much she loved that beautiful plant, that small, spindly little plant, and how thrilled it was and how much she loved them for thinking of her. And Johnny said, well, Mom, there were some other flowers we wanted to buy for you, but we just didn't have enough money. She said, but Johnny, I just love this plant. And Susie said, yeah, but they were a really nice bunch of flowers we wanted to buy. And Johnny said, Mom, these flowers would have been perfect for you. They were all in a nice wreath. And they had a ribbon on them that said, Rest in Peace. And you know you're always wanting a little peace so you can rest. When I think about Mother's Day, I know that some of you think that I say terrible things about my mother. But when I think of Mother's Day, I I think of my own precious mother. Yes, I tormented her. And yes, they did use her for the prototype when they created the character Marie and Everybody Loves Raymond. But she was my mother. And I loved her. And on Mother's Day, my thoughts go to my own precious mother. And my thoughts also go to a very special mother in this room this morning that did a really good job of raising a couple of boys that I consider to be fine young men named Bryant and Matt. And she did it in spite of everything I could do to try to mess it up. And she did a pretty good job. But I don't want to do all that this morning, and and I don't really want to talk about my mother or their mother or even your mother. I remember in the long ago, Scott read about it just a minute ago. God went to a little town called Nazareth. And He went to a humble cottage in that little town of Nazareth. And He tapped a young girl on the shoulder. She was no doubt barely a teenager. But God chose her. God chose her to be the mother of Jesus. Scott read from Luke chapter 1, twice in Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel tells Mary that she is highly favored by God. Now understand something. When this young teenage girl, when the angel Gabriel taps her on the shoulder and says that day that she's been highly favored of God and she's going to have a a baby... Mary is is a troubled young teenager at that point. Because, you see, Mary's engaged to Joseph. 
And things were a lot different then, and, and, and customs were different then than they are now, and engagements were a lot more serious then than they are now. And for her to be with child and be engaged to Joseph, that was going to be problematic to say the least. As that unique pregnancy became known, Mary was facing a lot of troubling possibilities. Matthew tells us Joseph was a just man. He didn't want to embarrass her. And so he was thinking about just privately sending her away. So there was a possible rejection of Joseph. And can you already hear the tongues in Nazareth wagging when the neighbors found out that, you know, Mary's engaged to Joseph and she's fixing to have a baby. Can you see the little ladies at the beauty shop counting up the months on their fingers? Can you imagine how all of that was weighing heavily on the mind of this young Jewish girl named Mary when the angel spoke to her that day? Imagine what it would have been like when that angel first appeared to Mary. She's a virgin from a poor family in an obscure village in Galilee, Nazareth. Luke tells us that she was afraid when she saw Gabriel that day. And so Gabriel tries to put her at ease. And Gabriel says, Mary, you are highly favored by God. And you're going to have a baby. You're going to have a son. And she was told that His name would be called Jesus. And that He was going to be great. And He was going to be called the Son of the Highest. And He was going to be given the throne of David. And that there was going to be no end to His kingdom. And He told her something else. He said, Mary... This baby boy of yours is going to save his people from their sins. Well, the baby came. And can you imagine the pride of that mother? When she took that baby to the temple, he's only 40 days old, when she takes him to the temple for the very first time. Mary and Joseph had made the journey from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. They went to offer sacrifice and to dedicate this baby to the Lord. And in Jerusalem, at the temple that day, there's an old man there by the name of Simeon. And Simeon's been promised by God that he's not going to die until he had seen the Messiah. And that old man, Simeon, took the baby in his arms and he held that 40-day-old baby, and he blessed God. And he told him. He said, this child is set for the rising and the fall of many in Israel. And he told them there are going to be many that are going to oppose this child. And then he said something to that young mother. Something she never forgot. He told Mary. He said, a sword. A sword will pierce through your heart also. 
Dr. Luke tells us the child grew. And he waxed strong in spirit. That's what Dr. Luke says. And we read of his visit to the temple again at the age of twelve. And then we read of the beginning of his ministry. And you're familiar with that. The miracles he performed. He made the deaf to hear and the blind to see and the lame to walk. We read about all of His miracles as He began His ministry. The multitudes gathered around Him as He would heal their sick and as He would teach them the things of God. He called twelve men, Peter and Andrew and James and John and all the others, to be His closest associates and to work with Him for three years as He went up and down the dusty roads of Palestine teaching and healing. And oh my, you can see when he fed 5,000 and 4,000 and the multitudes that gathered around him, the popularity that this child of Mary's enjoyed. But there came a day when the child of Mary, when Mary's son was no longer popular. And the tide of popular opinion turned against him. And his enemies, the Jewish leaders, they sought to take his life. And say they bargained with Judas, one of the twelve, to betray him. And so for the price of a common slave in Rome that day, Judas sold out Jesus. And that night in Gethsemane as he prayed, Cruel hands came and they seized him. And they led him away to go through the mockery of a trial. A sham it was. He was scourged. A crown of thorns was pushed down upon his brow and he was spit upon. He was slapped. He was ridiculed. And he was led to Calvary where he was crucified. And there on Calvary's hill, nails are driven through His hands. A spike is driven through His feet and He's fastened to a rough-hewn wooden cross between two thieves. And then we find this reading in Luke 19, verse 25. There stood by the cross of Jesus His mother. I want you by an eye of faith and by using a little bit of sanctified imagination to think about what it might have been like to be Mary that day. Now the prophecy of Simeon in the temple all those years before made sense to her. But Simeon had said, A sword shall pierce through your soul also. That baby, that baby she had held in her arms is hanging on that cross. Her heart They put a sign above the cross that says, Jesus, the King of the Jews. But to Mary, 
He's not the King of the Jews. To Mary, He's not the Messiah. To Mary, He's not the Son of God. As the tears flowed down her cheeks that day, all she can think about is one thing, and that's my baby. That's that baby boy I held in my arms 33 years ago, she says. She can remember kissing that baby's brow when she would tuck him in at night. And now that brow is bleeding because it's been pierced with thorns. She remembers holding tiny hands as tiny feet were learning to walk. Now those hands and those feet are fastened to that cross. She remembers rubbing that baby's back as a child to soothe him and help him go to sleep. And now that back is nothing but a mass of mangled flesh caused by the beating that he's endured. And I can see as she stands there and she sees Jesus on the cross, She sees that baby that she put in that manger in Bethlehem that night. Her mind goes back to a happier visit to Jerusalem. That trip the family took when Jesus was 12 years old. You remember, that was the time that everybody was leaving and they got a whole day's journey from Jerusalem before anybody realized Jesus wasn't with them. They left Him behind. And they went back and they found him in the temple. And she said, you've worried us. Why would you do this? He said, don't you know? I must be about my father's business. And now standing there at the foot of the cross, she looked up at her baby boy hanging there. And the full force of that statement sunk in on her. Standing there at the foot of that cross, she realized that her baby boy was finishing the final piece of his father's business. That doesn't make it any easier for her. She's still his mother. Her heart is still pierced. On that earlier visit, she had lost him for three days. Now she's losing him. To death. Can you imagine how she felt? The only thing he owned was a seamless robe that she had made for him. And they cast lots to see who was going to get it. Think about that. Think about how she wanted to fight for her baby that day. Don't you know? Don't you know she wanted to just gouge somebody's eyes plumb out of their sockets? Tell me any mother wouldn't have. But she remembered the angel saying, Mary, you're highly favored. And she's thinking, how can a woman watching her baby die be highly favored. We talked in Bible class about the providence of God. 
And then Mary remembered her own words. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. Luke chapter 1 verse 38. Can you see? This is not the young teenage girl that the angel has appeared to. This is a middle-aged mother watching her baby die and turns her face away from the scene that day. Watch her. Watch her wipe the tears away from her eyes. And then she realizes the next time that she sees her son the next time she sees her baby, it's going to be in a land that's fairer than this and He's going to wipe away her tears. Mary cried that day. But Mary is shedding tears this morning. Back in that long ago day at the crucifixion, she shed tears because she watched her baby die. Have you ever thought about how she might feel to see Jesus treated the way He is today? None of us ever wants to bring tears to the eyes of our mother. That's not anything we want to do. I don't ever recall a single time in my life that I woke up in the morning and said, You know what? <laughs> I'm going to see if I can't make Mama cry today. And I don't think anybody else did that either. We don't ever want to bring tears to our mother's eyes. But we bring tears to the eyes of the mother of our Lord. When folks openly reject Jesus and openly reject His teaching, it brings tears to her eyes. When we say we belong to Jesus and we live like the devil, it brings tears to her eyes. I wish I knew. I really do. I have wished this on many occasions. It goes through my mind at least once a day. I wish I knew how to make Jesus Christ real. Real to the point that folks would... Take his death for sin seriously. Real to the point that church folk all over this country would take their responsibility to him earnestly. Real. To make Jesus real to the point that when folks hear Jesus say, Come unto me, they'd come. It's his invitation as we stand and while we sing. Oh.